You're listening to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, episode number 77. Now, a listener wrote to me about how she was struggling to relax because her abuser, who she was no longer with, was not okay. And the only way that she could relax was knowing that he was okay. Now, this person told me that for the duration of their marriage, she was continually treating him like she was a mother figure where she was constantly catering to his needs and constantly looking out for what he would want. And this has continued beyond the end of the relationship even though she's already moved on with some other person. Now they have a couple kids together and um, the issue that she was really struggling with is how she can be happy in her new relationship and not worry about the tantrums that her ex will throw or being able to make plans for herself without worrying that he has something else that um, would become first place. And you know, she doesn't want to have to worry about him because she wants to be able to live her life the way that she wants to live it. So if this is something that you're struggling with too, stay tuned because I'm going to break this down and I'm going to give you some really great tips and tools to help you manage this if this is something that is really present in your life since you've escaped or left your abuser. Welcome to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, a podcast specifically designed to help you heal after a toxic or narcissistic relationship. This podcast teaches you to use your subconscious mind to go from feeling stuck to set free. In here, you will learn how to use the power of your own mind to free yourself from emotional pain, move forward with confidence, and experience the inner peace you deserve in your healing journey after emotional abuse. I'm your host and subconscious reprogramming coach, Allison Dagny. So let's get started. Okay, so thanks again for joining. Let's dive right into this. And this is a difficult one because it's very, very common for victims of narcissistic abuse to cater to their abusers, especially in the relationship because you're trying to make sure that you don't wake the bear or that you don't rouse a sleeping dragon, right? So we're tiptoeing, we're eggshell walking, we're doing all these things to make sure that the abuser is a-okay. Because if they're okay, that means we're okay. We don't have to experience any backlash, temper tantrums, things like that, that the abuser is typically known for. So the thing is, when we get out of the relationship, when we've escaped the abuse, we're no longer in the relationship, maybe we're divorced even from the person, this kind of thing can linger with victims. You know, it makes perfect sense though, if you think about it, because you've been behaving this way for a really long time. If you're doing this, you have been the person who takes care of them. That's been your role. That's been who you are. It's probably a big part of your identity. Now, not only is this just a habit, there are reasons that someone would continue to behave this way even after no longer being with the abuser. Now, 
I'll give you an example personally from my life. I remember that this was happening to me. I remember right after I separated from my husband that I was still taking on the role of getting stuff done, taking care of things for the kids, doing things, even like appointments and stuff, right? Like he had the kids now 50% of the time, yet I was still shouldering more than 50% of the responsibilities. And it was because not only was this a habit, but it was also some fear that I had and some worry that if I didn't do it, there could be backlash or maybe these sort of conditioned um, behaviors that I had, if I didn't uh, repeat those conditioned behaviors, then that was going to create a bad situation for me on the other side. And, you know, we're in a court situation at this point, right? So I'm also worried that if I don't you know, you know, step to the beat of his drum that maybe that could affect me or impact me in court. So there's a lot of reasons why someone would continue this behavior even after not um, being with the abuser anymore. And other people will look at you like you've got three heads and be like, why are you doing this? Why are you helping them? Why are you scheduling their appointments? Why are you doing this and that for them? Why are you being so nice to them, right? There's a lot of reasons. And a lot of it has to do with the conditioning that we've been through from that person and the emotions that we're trying to avoid, right? Or events that we're trying to avoid. So a lot of survivors may have um, fear of further abuse. And this is a very natural thing, right? Because it's happened to you for so long and this is a pattern. So, of course, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if you don't fall in line or if you don't do the things that you always had done, that is probably going to mean something bad's going to happen. That probably means you're going to get criticized. You're going to get abused further. You're going to um, experience something unpleasant. And that fear actually is what leads to the behavior of catering to the abuser's needs, right? Because it's a survival mechanism, right? This is something, it's an, a trauma adaptation. This is something that you have taken on to protect you, to keep you safe. Now, if there is a true legitimate fear for your safety, you don't want to ignore this, right? If you know that if you do something that that person is capable of physically harming you or doing something to put you in danger, obviously you need to be very careful, right? I'm not saying you need to cater to them, but you may not, you may have to adjust your behaviors even if you're not in the relationship with that person anymore, right? You have to protect yourself. That's number one. But you can also have imagined fears. And a lot of people think those imagined fears are real fears and they're not. So you may fear that this person is going to take you to court or they're going to file for full custody and get it, right? You may have these kinds of fears if you don't do what the person wants, right? And they're continuing to abuse you even beyond the relationship, even though you're not with them anymore. This is called something. It's called post-separation abuse. And if you've not heard of that before, it's a real thing. It happens even after you're not with the person any longer. The thing is, we have to be really careful because there's a fine line here right? That the person could absolutely be, you know, abusing you post-separation. 
But if we are catering to them in advance of these things because of our own fears, that's different, right? That's just a behavior that we have ingrained in us because of our trauma to help us feel safe. So you've got to know the difference. Like, is this a real fear? Is this an imagined fear? Is this something that you're just like thinking about could possibly happen that you don't really know? Or is this like, no, I know this is going to happen um, and I need to protect myself. So you've got to really know which is which and that's going to be really key. The other thing is guilt and the conditioning of that guilt within you. And for survivors, when we have been guilted for so long, then often we feel responsible for the abuser's well-being, for their emotions even, right? Due to that conditioning that they did to us during that abusive relationship. So if the abuser has made you believe that you are the one that's responsible for how they feel at any given moment, then of course you're going to take the role of placating them or of mitigating the situation or the emotions to make sure that they're in a good state of emotional well-being, right? That makes perfect sense. But guilt isn't a reason to do things for people, right? We should do things for people out of our own wants, desires, and genuine authenticity. Not because we feel guilty about it, right? But guilt is a driver for a lot of people, right? If I feel guilty about something, then maybe I'm willing to to take action and to do something different, right? And that's the goal of an abuser. They want you to feel that way. They want you to feel bad because then they can get their way. It's a manipulation tactic. Perfect, perfect set up for you to do their bidding. So this kind of thing is important for you to recognize, especially if you're, you know, you're no longer in the relationship with the person anymore. If they are guilting you post-separation because they think you should be doing something or they think your behavior is causing their emotions, like I'm here to tell you, like no one else's responsible for your emotions you're the only one responsible for your emotions now you can't tell a narcissist that because they're going to be like that's crazy like no if people didn't act that way then I wouldn't be upset right because they think everybody else outside of them is the reason that they're unhappy or the reason that they're happy right whatever's happening outside of them is the reason that they feel what, what they feel that's how they think but that's not reality the truth is you are responsible for how you feel. Only you, right? Even if, you know, you're getting married and the rain is coming down and it's a storm and it blows the, the tents away and the chairs away, right? You are responsible for how you feel, right? It's not the storm's fault that you feel the way you feel. You feel the way you feel because of you, because of what you believe in your perspective and your outlook. Your mentality is what's creating that, not the storm. Okay, so that's really important to know. It's a hard concept to get behind. I really understand that. But if you're listening to my podcast and you have been for any length of time, you know this is true. You know that you've got to take, you've got to take ownership of how you feel. Nobody else controls how you feel but you. All right, so let's talk about um, 
this listener of mine who even told me that she doesn't even make plans for herself because she makes herself available to her ex. So even things like taking her son to football, she will wait until the last minute to know if he can do the evening run because he purposefully doesn't share his information and days off with her. So she then struggles to make plans to see her friends or her boyfriend, right? Because she's always making herself available just in case so that she can cater to him. Now, there is no judgment here, okay? No judgment at all for this particular person. She reached out to me because she wanted help and she wanted me to address this on the podcast. So we are not in a place to judge anyone. People behave the way they behave. This listener behaves the way she behaves because of her subconscious mind. That's the truth. That's the reality here. Any behavior that you do results from the root, which is your subconscious, right? People act in ways because of their beliefs, right? If you believe that you are strong, capable, capable, confident, intelligent, right? You be, believe those things about yourself. You're going to show up differently than if you believe that you're weak, that you're unworthy, that you're invaluable, right? Like if you believe something different from someone else, you're going to show up differently from that person. And it's the same thing with your behavior, right? So for this particular listener who asked me to address this, who reached out for help, right? She gets credit for that, right? She wants help because... She feels like she's constantly catering to her ex who she's not even with anymore and she doesn't know how to stop doing that. And the way you stop doing that is by reaching the subconscious mind. You have to know what you're believing, right? So I would, if, if I were working with this person and she were my client, I would say to her, what emotions are you feeling when you are thinking about catering to your ex? And let's just say she said, I'm just feeling really afraid he's going to have a tantrum or he's going to blow up, right? Or he's going to have, you know, a conniption or whatever. So you're feeling afraid. Yes, that's true, right? So what I would say then is what are you believing? Like what are specifically are the thoughts going through your head when you're feeling that emotion? And that's where she would probably tell me a lot of different things. And you would say different things too because you have a totally different uh, perspective. But it would be things like, He's going to um, make life difficult for me. He's going to do this or he's going to try to hurt me or I'm not going to be able to handle it or I can't communicate with him or maybe she's feeling a lot of guilt and maybe she thinks I should help him because he's all alone or I should be the one to support him because he'll be sad, right? These are just beliefs. These are just subconscious beliefs that... Any given person could have that's creating the emotions of fear or guilt or whatever those emotions might be. Those beliefs create the emotions. The emotions then create the behavior, right? So if you have emotions like fear and guilt and stuff driving, then of course you're going to cater to them. Of course you're going to do whatever you have to do to avoid that, to avoid those feelings of fear, right? So one of the things that she said to me was that she really wants help to stop caring about him and worrying if he's okay, right? Because surely he doesn't care about her and he wants to make her life difficult. But why is she then 
caring, and she put that in quotation marks, and worrying about him. Well, the root is, and if, and if I were working with her, it would be a lot easier for me to find out, but this is just kind of based on an email situation that I can um, come up with this on the fly, but to stop worrying about someone else is is a codependency behavior, right? Worrying about someone else is a codependent behavior. So if you are constantly worrying about someone else, what do you believe about them? He can't make it on his own. He'll never be able to figure out how to go to the grocery store. I need to be able to take care of him, you know? And and then I would even take this even deeper and I'd want to know like, well, what does it mean if he can't do it on his own? What does that mean? What does it mean if he is all alone? Does it mean that you're responsible for him? Does it mean that you should be the one to take care of him? Those are also beliefs, right? So this is a layered process. This isn't just like, oh, one belief, right? In your subconscious mind, there are hundreds of beliefs. I have released hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beliefs on paper on my own. That's why I am who I am today. That's why I love myself. That's why I am excited about life. That's why I don't get triggered by my ex. That's why I don't have anxiety and panic attacks anymore. It's why I get a great night's sleep every night, every single night, except for when I'm sick, which I was just last week. But anyway, it's about figuring out what you believe, what is in your subconscious mind. And a lot of people think the subconscious is some like deep, dark dungeon. You got to dig all the stuff up. It isn't. It's right there on the surface. I could literally have a conversation with you and I could figure out what your subconscious beliefs are within seconds. You could do it too. You could just be venting to your friend. Take notes. There you go. There are your subconscious beliefs. You could write it down while you're journaling, get it really relaxed. That's possible too. That's how you find them, right? And that's how I teach my clients, right? Because after a 12-week program, I want my clients to be able to do this by themselves, because here's the thing, I spent four and a half years in therapy and I didn't get the kind of results that I got doing this. I just didn't. And I think about that. I went every week for four and a half years. That is crazy. That is absolutely insane. The amount of money that I spent, the amount of time and effort that I you know, took myself to the therapist's office every single week for an hour and then I didn't get results. Like, what, what is that, right? So when I work with people after 12 weeks, my hope is that they are like a mini rapid reprogrammer, that they can take this stuff and do it by themselves. I literally just had a client um, who I worked with like two years ago write something in the Facebook group, in my Facebook group today about how she's still using the tools that I taught her and that it helped her in her job because she was experiencing a really toxic um, boss and it helped her deal with that. Meanwhile, go look for another job. And now she's really happy. So the purpose that I'm telling you this is this work, when you do it, is not only transformational, but it's a tool you have for the rest of your life. So if you're somebody who is like this um, woman who emailed me looking for help to stop caring, right? You've got to start at the source, right? This is different than what other people are teaching. This is different from traditional therapy, this is not the same. This is very, very different. You can ask any of my clients. This is not traditional talk therapy. We are getting to the root. We are flipping around your beliefs. We are considering other possibilities. We're retraining your brain and we're changing neural pathways in your mind. That's what we're doing. So if you are in a situation like this person who emailed, 
who is saying, you know, I'm still worrying about my ex. I'm still caring about what he's doing. I'm still afraid he's going to get upset. I'm still tiptoeing around him. Then what you have to do is get to the source. You have to write it down. You have to say, okay, what am I thinking? What am I believing? Is this actually true? And maybe it is. Well, if it is true, what does that mean? That's what you have to ask. That's the question you have to ask. So if you have a piece of paper and a pen, here's, here's step by step what you have to do. Number one, write the emotion in the middle of the page. What are you feeling? All around that, you want to write down what you're thinking. What are the thoughts that are coming up? Any of the thoughts that are facts to you, what do those mean? What does it mean that that is a fact? Then you're going to get to the beliefs, okay? If it's coming up in a form of a question, you got to change that into a statement. You got to make it into a judgment, right? You got to make it into something that's opinionated, like that you believe should be happening or you believe shouldn't be happening or you believe about yourself or other people, right? Because a belief is just any thought that's not 100% true for 100% of people, say it with me, 100% of the time, okay? So y'all can do this. I know you can do it. I believe in you. And if you want my help, just send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. I would be happy to have a free conversation with you for 30 minutes, tell you about what I do and see if it's the right fit for you. It probably is because it's amazing. I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you straight. It's the only thing that ever worked for me, truly. And I spent 20 years being emotionally abused by what I believe to be a covert narcissist. So I hope this episode has been helpful to you. Um, the other thing that before we, before we end is when you are doing work like this and you are trying to shift your mindset, you're trying to think of other possibilities, you have to be really, really, really gentle with yourself and you have to be very patient with yourself. Because this is something that your brain has never done before. This is very, very new. So just like you would be patient with yourself if you started a new workout regimen, right? Or a new diet plan. You have to be patient with yourself too. And sometimes you're going to slip up. Sometimes you're going to fall. Sometimes you're going to backslide. That's okay, right? You've got to be really patient and you've got to be really kind to yourself. So please reach out to me if you need my support. I'd be happy to help you. I hope this episode has been helpful to you, um, especially if you're somebody who is constantly trying to take care of the abuser, constantly trying to worry about what they're going to do, what they're going to say, how they're going to react to you or what you're doing. Um, because that's no way to live. You know, you lived that way while you were with the person. Now it's time to focus on you. What is it that you're believing and how can we shift that? Because you're the one that's in control of how you feel. Have a great day. Talk to you next week. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out WhenTearsLeaveScars.com for more resources and information to help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in